0: Again, if you weren't here last week, uh, I just want to say thanks to, uh, especially Lakeside YWAM DTS that helped us rip out the, the carpet and put in these new carpet squares. I hope you, uh, hope you like it, the new change in the, uh, in the sanctuary. We got the trim back on and it's uh, somewhat normal. Um, I did paint the sound booth because it said sound booth on the uh, can but if you look back at the sound booth, it's like, it's kind of abstract looking, or else uh, it didn't quite match. So (laughs) it's like, what? I'm scratching my head going, uh, someone messed up there. But um, it looks great in here. It's actually, uh, I love it. I hope you do too. I think we're probably gonna have a spring cleaning here pretty soon too, so. I am very thankful we are blessed also with a guy that snow plows our parking lot uh, for free. You know, if you ever have to plow your parking lots and stuff, it can get very expensive uh, very quickly and so we have been blessed for years, uh, a gentleman that comes, he doesn't even come to the church, he just feels like he that's his gift to us of coming here and doing that but uh, because we still have a gravel parking lot, the gravel gets pushed into the grass too. So <laughs> I did put up these uh, these poles, these orange things to uh, try to keep the gravel out of the grass. But um, if you have a shovel, in other words, uh, if you want to come and shovel gravel out of the grass before uh, we mow it in the springtime, we would love that. Um, I hope you've been enjoying going through the the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, as much as I have. I love this, and and I've just been breaking down these Beatitudes one by one, the eight different Beatitudes that Jesus gave in his sermon. And so today we are talking on uh, peacemakers or being makers of peace is what, what I'm calling it today. Just what does that mean for us? And I want to read through these again. Let's read through all of them, all eight of them. Starting in Matthew 5, chapter 5, verse 1, he said, Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled or satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and say fal- uh, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And rejoice and be glad, because Great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. you. God, we just ask that you may again speak to us. Lord, we thank you that your word is living, your word is true. It always does speak to us, and we want to be attentive to your Holy Spirit today, and that we may apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. What is a peacemaker is what we're going to talk about. And these are characteristics of how we as believers are supposed to be, right? Be attitudes. These are attitudes or things, characteristics, kind of the fruit of what we should exemplify in our lives as believers, is what Jesus is describing all of these. Blessed, or in other translations, it means happy. Happy are the peacemakers. Peacemaker and uh, that those words pe- that word peacemaker is only used a few instances in uh, the Bible and the word refers to uh, someone who initiates peace, or it could also mean to pacify. Um, now, how many of you have had children that uh, used a binky or a pacifier? Anyone that had a pacifier? How many of you still have a child that sucks on a pacifier? <laughs> Well, uh, now, how many of you as parents had your child lose their binky and, uh, and then you had to go searching for it because they couldn't be satisfied, they couldn't go to sleep without their pacifier, so you had to go back to wherever you left it or you had to go buy a new one, go to the, uh, go to the store and get another one. Um, or, uh, you know what? For every child, there's something that, whether it be a binky or it's their thumb, or it's a doll, or it's a, uh, a teddy bear, or it's a blanket, or it's some sort of thing to comfort them, to be that sort of uh, pacifier that they need, that, that little source of comfort. They get attached to something, you know, that little teddy bear, whatever it is. And I would uh, believe that, you know, some of us, Uh, have our own pacifiers, if you will. We have our own things that we need for comfort as well. Even in adulthood, we do that. Um, And so children will sometimes, even uh, if they don't have something uh, tangible or physical, they, you know, some kids have this imagination, this wild imaginations, and they just talk to imaginary people, you know, or talk to themselves and you know, when our kids were young too, we'd go by their room and we'd hear them talking. We didn't, you know, they're talking to someone or they're talking to their doll, uh, doing something, entertaining themselves, if you will. But even in adulthood, we have some form of attachment. And it can be with uh, a relationship. That's where we find solace. We find comfort. It could be a hobby. Uh, some people need their pet. You know, they need their pet to constantly be with them, to be their form of uh, comfort. Uh, it also can be a habit, a bad habit. We, we always need something to be chewing on. Or, or, you know, it could be a bad habit too, you know, that we always need something in our mouth. But we all need and we all like to be comforted in some way. But we also love to belong. We love to be loved. You know, people, want, people don't like to be rejected. None of us do. We all want to be accepted. Um, but, it, you know, it seems kind of funny, but we all like to be pacified in some way. And God is not just calling us to be, uh, in this passage, a spiritual pacifier or binky, uh, but this beatitude refers to being someone that is making peace, that is intervening in someone's life that is actually going purposely to help someone in a situation. Number one is that a peacemaker is used as God's messenger, that one that would go and make for peace. And a peacemaker uh, really is being a reconciler, someone that actually, you know what being a reconciler is, right? It's trying to reconcile relationships, especially when those are separated, when they're broken when something came between them, that you're trying to go and be a maker of peace in the midst of that. It's someone who steps in and makes peace in a difficult circumstance. And too often people say, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get involved. This is uh, oh too deep, and, and this is a difficult one. I don't want to do this because, you know, how many of you love to resolve conflict? Anybody in here? You do? Oh, awesome, I'm going to call you. I'm going to call you next time. <laughs> that, uh, most people shy away from it. They're like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to do it because it gets ugly at times. It could get difficult to make for peace. And you actually have to uh, be a mediator. How many of you have had someone be a mediator in your life and you are thankful for that? That you're thankful that someone cared enough to actually go out of their way and take the time to take two parties, if you will, that two couples, or you know, these people that have had a separation in their relationship, or or in a marriage, or with a child, and they're saying, "Can I help uh, help work this out with you guys?" A counselor or whatever. But uh, again, people just don't like to get involved that much, and so we might not always want to. But you probably in some way been blessed because you had someone that cared, that loved you enough. You know, it's often our parents, our mothers, you know, mothers, you know, with our siblings. Okay, come on, you guys, you got to get along. You know, I'm, Jill and I had uh, three puppies uh, recently, uh, three Boston Terrier puppies. And they're cute as can be. But they can be not so cute sometimes. <laughs> and so like last night, I'm on the floor with them and they're playing and they're um, seven plus weeks now. And you can see my fingers, my, my hands are just covered in little puppy bite marks. Uh, because they are biting each other like some terribly. <laughs> like, stop it! <laughs> you know, I'm pushing them away and you're tearing each other up. Stop it! Oh, so it's kind of like that, you know, it's being that mediator and saying, will you get away from each other? Just love each other would you? And uh, you know, they, they fight with each other and they all whimper and cry and, and uh, they hurt each other often, but then uh, after they get the energy worn off, they get in their little bed and they, they cuddle and they sleep together. Like, huh? How is that? But, uh, I'm so blessed in my life that I've had people step in that cared enough to uh, work in my life, even when I was angry about things, when I didn't want to work things out. Uh, But hopefully you can discover how rewarding it is to take that time to do that, because it is rewarding. It is, you go, thank God that I had someone in my life that did that. What are you known for? Are you known for being a peacemaker? Are you known for being a troublemaker? <laughs> you know, you might be a troublemaker, but uh, hopefully, you can be known as a as a, a peacemaker. And some people some people may are never happy unless they're fighting with someone. <laughs> they're constantly fighting. They're always picking an argument, you know. And so, we see in the news the big worldly conflicts, you know, of Russia and Ukraine. See that in the news a lot. We see Israel uh, with Hamas. We see uh, Iraq, Iran, North Korea. Those are the big ones that we hear about a lot in the news. But do you realize that there are probably over fifty civil wars going on all the time around the world? Wars that you never hear about in Africa between these different tribes, and you know these places that you would never know, but they're actually still fighting. Uh, Probably the Hatfields and McCoys are still fighting, you know, (laughs) in our country too. But, you know, there's still a war going on, differences in other parts. Uh, You might even say there's fighting between churches. Oh, you know, there's fighting between churches, you know. Uh, But why are there wars in our world? Why are there conflicts all the time? Why isn't there world peace? Every beauty pageant, there's always someone that says, you know, they want world peace, right? Uh, But it comes from our own greed, our own uh, selfishness, our own politics, our own lusts. But uh, they're really only a symptom of the real problem. The heart of the problem is our own sin, our own depravity of the human heart. And until there's a change by God himself that can change our heart, there will never be complete solutions to the problems that we see on the surface. True peace ultimately comes from God, who is the Prince of Peace. And he is the one who changes hearts, which reflects on the way we think and the way we feel. And the way we live. Only God and truly can be the one that gives us everlasting peace. So when we say we want world peace, without God there is no peace completely. There's no true peace. Now a peacemaker finds great satisfaction in in being able to step in and to resolve things in hostile environments and bringing uh, reconciliation between enemies or disagreements. I think of a, um, you probably heard of this, or if you haven't, there was a young man named Jim Elliott back in the 1950s. uh, And he had a great passion for the lost. And so he took his family and some other missionaries along with them to Ecuador. They were missionaries in Ecuador. And they wanted to go out and reach a lost tribe um, in the jungles of Ecuador. So he was a missionary that was actually martyred for his faith. And you can actually uh, see the movie. There's a movie that they uh, came out with a number of years ago called The End of the Spear. Uh, It's a great movie to watch the whole entirety of it. But he was an intense Christian, and he loved the Lord, and he loved to reach people, and he was intense and bent, um, wanting to go out and live for God. And not just to please man, but to please God. And I love some of his famous quotes that uh, he once wrote in his journal, once wrote in his writings. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And he also said, am I ignitable? God, deliver me from the dread asbestos of other things and saturate me with the oil of the spirit that I may be set aflame. But flame is transient, often short-lived. Canst thou bear this, my soul, a short life? In me dwells the spirit of the great short-lived, whose zeal for God's house consumed him. Now, Eliot wanted to, uh, more than anything, he, he um, he said, wherever you are, be all there. And he said, live to the hilt every situation you believe to be the will of God. A lot of great quotes this young man wrote uh, in his journal. And uh, Jim Elliott was a peacemaker. He was definitely a peacemaker. And he felt like uh, he was called to go to the, uh, I I don't know how to actually pronounce this tribe, A-U-C-A-S, A-U-C-A-S, A-U-C-A-S people, the Aukis people in the jungles. Uh, and so on January 8, 1956, when he was 28 years old, and uh, he, he was a pilot, and so they flew in to, they landed on this little strip right in the uh, riverbed, uh, and he and four other missionaries with him then took a boat down this river to the tribe, and they, in their attempt to reach this tribe, they were all speared to death. That wasn't necessarily the end of the story. It was maybe the end of their story. But uh, Elliot sought so hard to bring them peace. Uh, but it was ended shortly. And uh, it wasn't a death that, um, that was useless. Uh, and that's, again, that movie goes into great detail and has a really cool story in the end. That uh, later on uh, his wife Elizabeth Elliot went back to those people and returned to share the message that Elliot went to go, Jim went there to share um, and many of them, and actually most of that tribe did eventually come to the Lord um, Now you might not be called to the mission field like Jim Elliot was, but each Christian is called to uh, a calling, an adventure, Uh, you have a purpose in life to be uh, a messenger of God, just like what a peacemaker is. You are called to be a messenger of God and his peace. And so we get to experience all of what God can do and what he wants us to do. And first of all, we have to be focused on what God do you want me to do for you? How can you live each day Uh, serving the Lord in some capacity? How can, you know, even, you know, it sounds exciting when it's something that you like to do. Even the, even the ministry, you know, I remember when I was first called to ministry, I'm like, that would be so awesome. You know, I went to a a youth, uh, youth conference on this trip and I knew God called me on this trip, but then I had kind of a, a That's where God called me, but I had no idea how it was actually lived out yet. Because it can be really hard. And I've discovered that over the years, how difficult the ministry can be. But you know what? What keeps me going is my passion for God. And my passion is that I don't always get to see the results. I don't always get to see evidence of what God uses me uh, to do. And it's not just the evidence that we need to pacify ourselves, like, oh, thank, you know, but rather, I'm doing this for the Lord, and thank God that some days I get to see a little bit of evidence of what God can do through me. Same thing for you, what, you know, there's many just mundane days that we just get up and we keep serving God, and then one day you get that fruit and go, oh, thank you for that, Lord. Thank you because just that faithfulness of continuing to serve the Lord but we need to listen to his voice and then step out in faith and do it. Our world is constantly looking for uh, peace isn't it? we're constantly looking for some form of peace and there are many peace organizations in our world uh, and you know they're always trying to sign peace treaties and um, there's also parades and rallies and many forms of peace you can pursue, but in our, in our stressed out lives, you know, there's a, a people that try to form, uh, have different forms of peace. And uh, things like yoga and Eastern religions are increasingly becoming popular to help people achieve harmony and tranquility within themselves. There's a, and it's supposed to get your mind off your situations and relax so that you can be at peace with yourself and every situation. But to some, this might be a little help for a little while, but in reality, it can't replace what God, the God of peace can give us. It, taking our mind off something can be relaxing, right? I mean, people move to Montana because they like the peace of where we get to live in the quietness but even quietness does not mean peace it can be peaceful it can be a, a form of peace but even in a quiet place it can be very lonely as well can it unless you're a mountain man you just love to get away from everybody and you know but God never designed us to be alone by ourselves we don't have to live in perfect harmony with ourselves and nature to have peace. We don't have to live in complete silence or have, you know, some people will say that if I was just wealthier, I would have peace. Um, and occasionally it might be helpful once in a while, but it's not necessary for having the lasting peace that, that is talked about here. Or living in Montana can be peaceful compared to many other places, and we're blessed to live here. But please understand that peace is not appeasement, it's not peace at any cost. And some people seem to be uh, peaceful simply because they have no, uh, no convictions. I just, uh, I'm peaceful because I think rather they just kind of live in Numville, honestly. It's, I'm just gonna forget about it and not think about it. I'm just gonna, you know, forget about it. I'm in peace because I don't have to think about it, you know. And I, I've, I've seen a lot of uh, situations in in life and in ministry as well. And just like, you know, I just want to, I just want to abandon my family so I can have peace. And so they, you know, now that I'm happy, I'm finally happy that I've abandoned my family. And I'm like. Uh, that's not peace, you know, that, that's that's an imaginary, that's a form of peace, but that's, you know, ignoring your problems doesn't make them go away. <laughs> that, uh, and so some people seem to be peacemakers when in fact they simply just hate confrontation, so they, they give in to keep peace at all costs, and that's the description of a peacekeeper, not a peacemaker, do you know the difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker? Keep the peace at all costs. Stop, stop, stop. That's I kind of feel like that with my puppies. Keep the peace at all costs. Stop it! But um, that doesn't make the problem go away. So, you know, hear no evil, speak no evil. You know, it's it just like, I, there. it's interesting that in my grandparents' generation, and maybe this was a thing in the, the older generation, it just seemed like, you no, know, we don't talk about it. We don't think about it. We don't do anything about it. We just live with it. And I'm like, huh? It sounds like you guys are just continuing to go on miserable lives because you don't want to deal with it. That's, it. Maybe that was a generational thing, but I'm sure there's people that still do that today. Just don't talk about it. Yes, there's an elephant in the room, but we just ignore it. We just pretend it's not there. Have you ever experienced that? That's keeping the peace at all costs. Keep the peace, but it's not really peace. We're just ignoring it. Okay? We're all happy because of it. (laughs) No, that doesn't make peace. That's ignorance, actually. How do we make for peace? Well, let's just be honest peacemaking is not easy, it's not easy. It, you can take a risk, and it can be risky. In fact, it can be very painful at times. Making for peace can come with much opposition, and a peacemaker needs to live by his or her convictions to have the courage to take a stand. Have you ever had to take a stand in a situation where you didn't have anyone backing you? Where you had to stand alone? I have. You know, even being a pastor, I've had to say, I know this is what God said. And almost nobody agreed with me. I'm like, but I knew my conviction. I knew I had to take that stand. And it proved later to be good, but it was also many months and weeks and even years to walk that through. But if you only appease, you only postpone trouble and you won't ever solve it. If you gloss over hard issues, you just temporarily get an emotional relief and you don't complete the healing process. And at times, peacemaking takes a lot of hard work and a thick hide. And it's not easy, but it's worth the pain and the effort if you see it through to resolution you're seeing it through, and sometimes, like Jim Elliott, didn't get to see it completely in his lifetime. But, you know, he left a legacy that actually there are people in heaven because of his, what he did. So there's eternal value, not just the temporary. Peace is God's highest good for man. And in the New Testament sense of peace, it's not just the absence of trouble, but it is everything that makes for God's highest good that the words grace and peace are associated together many times in the New Testament and we have our highest good because God showed his goodness to us showed his grace to us and so in this in the highest good God can give to man he became the messenger of peace he became peace for us the shalom peace of God came to us The message is the good news of Jesus Christ who is the Prince of Peace who came and brought peace to our world. In the world of hostility he came and broke down that wall of hostility it says. Jesus is not just an answer or one of many answers. He is the answer. The one and only of peace. Peace. Secondly, the God of peace is our source of true peace. The greatest peacemaker of all time is Jesus. In Isaiah 9, 9, verse 6, that's where we get the Prince of Peace. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Another name for God is Jehovah Shalom, or the God of peace be with you. Jehovah Shalom. When Jesus was in the boat with the disciples and there was a storm going on and they were thinking they were going to die... He said, shalom, be still. But it's also the Jews, even to this day, use that word shalom when they when they use it as a greeting. They use it as a, a, a leaving uh, and saying goodbye. But it, it's difficult to translate the word completely into English, but it means oneness, it means unity, it can mean happiness, health, prosperity, protection, and overall, the peace of God be with you. God be with you. You know, um, that's what Jesus is for us. He is the one who came to reconcile us back to God when we were clearly away from God in our sin, in our own depravity. He came to bring peace in the midst of hostility. God came to us as... The Bible describes us as enemies of God. But he came to bring us into relationship, into friendship, into adoption, so that we may be one with him. And 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. This, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself. Again, there's that part of being a peacemaker, reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He reconciled us so that we may then have a ministry. But he also goes on, he said, and he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Through God, we make his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God and God made him who had no sin be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. He gave us the ministry or the message of reconciliation. And that's important for us to always remember that you are called to reconcile. You are called to uh, bring restoration because of what Jesus did through you so that your own testimony can bring someone Back to God, and God sent to tell, uh, sent Jesus to tell us that He wanted to have a relationship with us. He wanted to reconcile us. He wanted to be friends. And isn't that just, you know? Do you ever just think about that? This—that's an amazing thought. God wants to be my friend, and He's done everything for me to make that a reality, so that I. I can be reconciled back to God. He is the mediator. He is the one who came on my behalf. He became sin for me so that I can become the righteousness of God. Jesus not only reconciled us to God, he reconciled us to each other also so that we can have a relationship with one another, even in our differences. You know, that's the beauty of God putting us together in a family, in a church, and, and in our, the midst of our differences, we can still love each other. We can still go, you know what? You are way different than me, and I thank God for you. I, I really do. I really do. I thank God for you. Maybe not all the time. Thank God uh, that you put me with this person that even can be difficult in my life. Iron sharpens iron, so we sharpen one another. You know, (laughs) it just reminds us, uh, man, if I just want to stay in my living room in my own peaceful place and never be interrupted by someone that's difficult, I can do that. But God doesn't call us to do that. Be with people that are different than you are because you're going to be a blessing, hopefully a blessing to them, and they're going to be a blessing to you. How many of you have had difficult people in your life minister to you? That you've learned in my own selfishness, my own wants, God wants to put that person in my life to shape me and to mold me. I can not I can tell you all kinds of stories how God has uh, done that. And I've had to do a lot of repenting along the way too. God, forgive me for my attitude for stinking that person is... So terrible, you know. <laughs> I don't like that person, but thank you, God, that you put people in my life that I didn't like because they were they became a blessing to me. Thank God for them. Even if you can't stand each other. I want to read Ephesians chapter two. You can turn there if you'd like. Ephesians chapter two. Verses 14 through 19. and he came and he preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we have both access to the Father by the one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but are fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. There, that says a lot. That says a lot, that's a good thing. He destroyed the wall of hostility. Jesus took enemies, literal enemies, and provided a way for them to be friends. Not only friends, but he provided a way for them to become a family. Jesus made peace with us and between us and others. He is our peace that passes all understanding. Have you ever just come to that great realization of his peace in your life? You know what? It's, I love Philippians chapter 2 because it just talks about do not be anxious for anything, but, but in everything... With, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In the midst of your stressed out situation, give it to God and don't be anxious about it. And he said, and then the God of peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Give it to God. And what does he give you in return? More stress? No. He gives you peace. He gives you his comfort. I have this. I will take care of it. Will you believe that? Will you trust me in that? Colossians 3.15, Paul tells us that let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And in Romans 8.6, for the spiritually minded or having one uh, one's mind set on the spirit is life and peace. I want my life to be set, my mind to be set on him so that I may have peace. And peace is Also, one of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, verse 22. Just that's one of the attributes. That's one of the characteristics. The fruit. When you give things to God, when you walk in the Spirit, He's going to give you peace. Do you want peace with God? Are you still constantly living in stress and don't have peace in your life? What's keeping you from it? What's keeping you from peace? It's not just quietness. It's not just having perfect quietness in your life. People can live in very loud places and still have amazing peace. I don't know how they do it, but I can't. I mean, just I mean, like ah, <laughs> but people can live in very loud and disrupt, you know, noisy places and still be very peaceful. If you, do you want peace with God, begin by, first of all, is there anything keeping me from peace? Is there any sin in my life that I need to turn from? Is there any way that he's trying to show you that you're not peaceful because you're not living in peace? You're, not, you're, you're clearly uh, walking away from the God of peace. You're not in peace because you're not trusting in God. And you're trusting only in yourself and your own accomplishments. And I'm not at peace because I have a lot of bills and I have very little money. Like, well, trust God in that. He will provide for you. God is so contradictory just to to logic. Have you ever realized that? God doesn't just use your logic. No, he... He helps us think but he, and wants us to think and to be wise in our decisions, but there's oftentimes God calls you to faith that makes no sense at all. I want you to give it all to God. Like, no, what, what? You want me to do what? He says, trust me in this. There's peace in that. There's so much peace when you can just like, and there's joy. There's joy and satisfaction when I can say, God, okay, you got it. And I've, I've said this before many times uh, when I've taught, like, financial classes, Financial Peace University by Dave Ramsey and Crown Financial. And if you've ever done those and you, you want to do one, we'll, we'll put one on again. Uh, it's always good. It's always helpful. But one thing I learned years ago, and I think it was Crown Financial, is just like, there's a page in in the book that says, deed everything to God. And it was this paper, it looked like a deed. Just write down everything that you own, every single thing that you can think of that you own. And you write it out on this piece of paper. And it's a physical act, but you're just giving it to God. I'm taking this deed, and I'm, I'm giving it to you, and they, I think we even took a time to burn it up. We just burned it up, the deed to God. And so it's like that, those possessions, those the house, the car, those things we spend so much time worrying about. Say, God, you've got a flat tire. you got to fix it now. And you stop using you use the uh, you give you stop using mine and and you start saying it's yours. You start changing your vocabulary. God, this is your house. This is your car. This is your bank account. This is all yours, Lord. You own it all. Guess what? He still owns it. He owns everything. He just lets us use it. And he wants you to see that we can have greater peace when we trust in him and say, I'm giving you the recognition that you own it already, but I haven't let you be the owner of everything yet. I haven't let you take the ownership of that because I'm still in some way holding on to it. When you die, guess what? It's not going with you. We're not hauling the U-Haul with you. It's like, man, it's going to be so much freeing, and it doesn't have to wait till heaven to get it. That freedom doesn't have to wait till heaven. Deed it over to God. If that would help, help you do it today, write out what I just said, deed it to God and burn it up and say, "Lord, it belongs to you." So I, I talked to someone that you know got a brand new car a couple years ago, and he came to me and goes, "I am so upset. I'm so upset. I'm like what? He goes, I got a rock chip in my window. I'm like, I had to remind him. I said, whose window? God's. And he and he started realizing. He goes, you know what? You're right. It is God's. And that's why I drive old vehicles because I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> I drive old vehicles. If it gets a scratch, I'm like, eh, who cares? <laughs> but, um, do you believe God loves you do you believe and you trust God that he takes care of you you know what he wants to reconcile us back to God and more than just our sin issues he wants us to trust him with everything so that we can have that peace because if you're stressing out always about your stuff give it to God People live in denial all the time because they're unwilling to work through their issues and uh, you can't pretend problems go away. Well, you could try. Um, But they don't go away just by not dealing with them. Before the Lord, we must face up to our problems and turn from our own sin issues, repent from them, trust in god and if you're struggling with faith say god i'm struggling you know what god loves it when we're honest with him (laughs) he loves it when we're honest god i'm really struggling with this lord i don't like this i don't want to do this but he's like go ahead he said come let us reason together says the lord let's talk this out god loves to talk it out reason together with the lord um God wants us to reconcile. He wants us to work through problems, not just ignore them. And the main reason people don't get along is because they refuse to accept the truth and confront their problems head on. Instead, they try to live with an artificial peace that isn't good. I've been part of many things like this. And, you know, even, even recently, and it just grieves me at times, it grieves me that some of the same things come keep coming up over and over and over and over, right, Jill? Not, not between Jill and me. Okay, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying there's a situation, situation that has continued to uh, give us issues one way or another. Even introvert, in, inadvertently, yeah, yeah. However you say that word. A situation that just keeps coming around. Does that make sense? And uh, I'm like, God, why does this keep happening over and over and over? You know what? Because someone still continues to not deal with their issue. And you know what? There is an aspect, and probably most importantly, we all need to forgive. Forgiveness is essential. Forgiveness is a must. And I would like to say that every situation can be reconciled, but it it doesn't at times. Not every situation does. I've forgiven people, and I don't hold that against them anymore. But do I trust them? No. I I don't trust them if they're still undealt with issues. And it has kept us from having reconciliation. Reconciliation. So not all relationships can be reconciled because one or the other is still hardened in some way. Um, so don't avoid it. Don't hide behind a mask that everything is okay. When inside we're just really disappointed, we're angry, we're hurt. We're dealing with that. That's why I love Celebrate Recovery because you know places like that that we can share with one another, some of our deep Uh, hurts habits and hang-ups and you know what sometimes around that table when we have our discussion groups is amazing it's amazing talks that i've had guys just spill their beans you know talking about their their issues and i'm like thank you this isn't just the weather normal questions or sports talk this is real deep stuff here this is deep heartfelt stuff um that meets on monday nights by the way if you want to come to that But getting through that those issues, working through it, stop living in denial. That's the very first lesson in celebrate recovery every year. Stop the denial. Stop living in in this pretend imaginary thing that everything is okay. You know what? As much as you try to hide it, people can usually see it. People wear their emotions. It's not hard to figure out, so why do we do that? God wants us to live in His peace, and, and uh, He wants us to take care of it. It doesn't matter that you act out in the flesh or go off on everybody. It doesn't—it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that you just—I'm just okay. I'm gonna just say everything, and I'm just—we have to be careful with our words. Don't just go and say, "Well, I'm gonna be a peace peacemaker now, so I'm just gonna say everything that I feel." That would be unwise. <laughs> That's not, that would not be good to unload your arsenal and machine gun everybody down with everything that you've been storing up all this ammunition uh, that you've been holding not good we need to choose our words carefully even the Bible talks about that but also we need to choose our battles you don't just go and another thing and another thing and another thing and I got another thing Another thing. And, oh, you especially. I got way a lot of stuff. You You know, just, it's not diary of the mouth that you need to do that. It's a, but our words are very powerful and effective, but they can also be very damaging. So we have to be careful in what we say. Do you ever tell God, do you ever unload on God? God can take it, but we need to be honest and don't hesitate to, to make your relationship right with God first and foremost. And as we do, we'll often find it's not God that's the problem, it's us. It's often we find in, in most relationships, most, most often, if you, if you say I never or always, that, or you never and you always, is the wrong choice of words in any relationship in marriage. Because I've never found in any partner relationship that the person is always this and never that. Or 100% that and you nothing. There, You might be... They might be 90% wrong and you 10% wrong. But still, there's still never 100% um, your problem or hardly... Hardly ever. I didn't say never. Did I say never? I did. (laughs) But in God's eyes, you're both wrong. It doesn't matter what percentage that you claim to have. You're still that 10% wrong. So even if, it says in the Bible, even if we sin, even in the one minutest thing, we're guilty of all of it. We're guilty of everything. In God's eyes, You take care of your part and the other person needs to take care of their part. Peacemakers must be the ones to first make the first move. Make that first move. Don't wait for the other people to make that first move. And if you did something wrong, you take the initiative. You be the peacemaker. You be the one to step in and do that. You can literally wait for years for someone else to apologize and admit to their faults. You might even have a pretty good reason for feeling the way you do. And people... Can do some hurtful things at times. Some can also be hurt. Uh, we can also hurt someone else, and we don't even know that we did that. Who does? Who does that, this help or hurt in the end when we do nothing? And I found even elderly people that say, "You know what? My sister did this, and I haven't spoke to her in 56 years." Like, ow. I'm just waiting for her to call me and tell me she's sorry. I'm like I guess you're going to be waiting a lot a lot longer. Be the one to make that first move. That's what peacemakers do. In Matthew 5 it says if you're uh, 23 it says if you're will offering your gift at the altar and there remember your brother has something against you leave your gift there at the altar. Go first and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. What does that mean? What was Jesus saying in that? Of course, that's continuing on in this Sermon on the Mount. If you come to the temple to present your gift to the God and then you go, oh yeah, I just fought with my wife last night. I'm coming here to worship and smile and praise God, and all oh, with my heart lungs I sing and all this praise to God, and then go, oh yeah, I didn't, I went to bed angry and didn't take care of that. So when your spouse sees you all smiling and worshiping God, they're gonna go, I don't think so. He said, take care of it first before you come. Present your gift to God. Take care of those things because it will disrupt your relationship with God. That's what God did for us. He took that first initiative. He went toward us. He accepted us while we are yet sinners. Christ died for us, Romans 5.8. He didn't wait for us to get it all straightened out. He didn't wait for us to get it all cleaned up to come to him. Jesus died on the cross in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our depravity. What I read in Ephesians 2, he broke down that wall of hostility. He came so that we can become friends with God, have a relationship, have eternal life. Maybe you have someone in your life that you have a problem with. Is it your fault or is it theirs? Does it matter? No. Go take care of it. Peacemakers initiate. In life, and family, friends, they're going to let you down at times. They definitely are. You're also going to disappoint someone else. And we all have our faults. We all have our shortcomings. That's not just to be our excuse, but instead an opportunity to admit to it and to work it out. Thirdly is that peacemaker is one that quickly owns up to his faults. I own up to my faults quickly. Peacemaker is one that you know what? I appreciate that even when people just have diarrhea mouth at times, you know, just say stuff and before they think. But I, I've I've loved it with people that uh, <laughs> that say something. I go, oops, I probably shouldn't have said that. Please forgive me for that. Or they come back to you later. I always appreciate someone that, you know. Like, I cannot believe they said that, but then later on I get a phone call or later on I get a text message and say, you know what, I thought through what I said and it, it, it really was wrong. Thank you, that means a lot. That means a lot that you did that. You know, it takes two to tango, right? I don't know how many conflicts are entirely just that other person's fault. We have to own up to our faults first. Be the... Rather than pointing the finger and casting blame, instead we need to go, God, where where am I at fault in this? What do you want to show me? Holy Spirit, show me even if I can't see it right now. And then be quick to it. It's my fault. I'm sorry for what I've done. Um, I ask for forgiveness for what I've, I've said, what I've done. Be the first one to do that. You probably all can think of a relationship you're in with with uh, with somebody, family or friends or whatever, co-workers, that you need to do that. Why are peacemakers happy? How can we be blessed? How can we be happy? The answer should be obvious. When you're at peace with others and God, you're going to be happier. It's going to feel good. You'll be less <clears throat> tense and uptight and free from the burden and the guilt that you continue to carry around. It's It's hard. You know, it's that elephant in the room again. It's like, pretend it's not there. Or when you have tense relationships with someone in the grocery store and you see them down the, you know, you take your shopping cart and you go to the other part of the store, right? Because there's still something undone there, right? If there's still something undone, are you going, yeah, they still haven't said that to me. They still haven't apologized to me. They still haven't this. They still haven't that. But again, maybe we need to examine our own heart. Maybe I still am not letting go of this either. I'm still doing this. God, show me where I'm wrong in this. Again, I'm not saying that every relationship can be reconciled. It's a must that we forgive. An absolute must that you forgive. Or you're going to stand... In opposition against, with God. You know, God's going to oppose you in that. God can't forgive us if we can't forgive others. But even as much as you want reconciliation, it doesn't always happen. There's people I haven't been able to reconcile with, but I can live in peace still at the same time. Lastly, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. The blessing in this is that sonship is your reward. The blessing of being a peacemaker is that you will be known as children of God. So when you're a peacemaker, when you've understood what God's done for you, I can understand now what he's done on my behalf and that he's done this so that I may have relationship with him so that I can be a son or daughter of God. If you want to resemble God, be a peacemaker. And a son or daughter of God is a God-like person. And when you are like God, you'll be happy because you were created in His image to be like Him. And the more you are like Him, the more you will be what you're created to be. And all believers are called to be children of God, but those who make peace are fulfilling what it means to be a part of the family of God. Believers are not going to stop being a family, so we must work towards that peace continuously in our relationships. That's what the family of God is here in the midst of our differences, right? What I, what, the hardest thing as a pastor over the years is when people just disappear and never say a word, you know, and I'm just like, what happened? You know, have you ever had that in relationship? You're just like, they just faded off and I never heard a word again. And sometimes it might be because they just were too afraid to be real. I'm okay. I'm okay with you being real. I would rather someone just said, you know what? Pastor Greg, I hate you. Like, thank you. Thank you. I hate, I mean, I love you too. (laughs) But at the same time, you know, I'd rather they were honest about that. That's more, that's better than just pretending or not dealing with it. We're all called to be a family, a, a family of God. And you know what? Again, Satan wants anything, more than anything, to kill, steal, and destroy, and destroy families, destroy people. But we serve a God of peace. We, he will bring peace even when there seems to be no possible way. Don't wait to call on God for help and be willing to make that, that first move. And our world desperately needs more peacemakers. Will you be one? Will you start this week in your home, on your job, with your spouse, at your school, as God's children? That's what he calls us to be. Sons and daughters of God, to represent him well and remember in all you do, you're doing it as unto the Lord and be a peacemaker because you're gonna be a lot happier if you do. If you're searching for peace in your life, the first thing to do is confess your own need for God and that should be every day. That's not just a once-in-a-lifetime once in a, ty- a, once in a lifetime sinner's prayer. I think that's really every day, calling on God. I need you every day, just as we sang today. I need you, oh God. Ask him to forgive you, cleanse you, and give you that peace that only comes from him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your perfect peace. Lord, I just ask that you, the God of peace, The Prince of Peace, Lord, has spoken to us this morning. Lord, and if we lack peace, maybe it's because there's something in our life that is keeping us from peace. If there's anything, Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that brings conviction. Your Holy Spirit doesn't bring condemnation or guilt or shame, but you do give us, it says, in your kindness and in your love, you lead us to repentance. So, Lord, if there's anything we just need to clear up today, may it happen between, first of all, you and us. Lord, I have not trusted you, I've not lived in your peace, and I'm stressing out because I, I lack faith in some way. I ask that, Lord, you would just bring that to our understanding. Lord, if there's any sin issue, we just confess that to you right now, God. I confess my anger. I confess any unforgiveness. I confess... Whatever whatever's going on in my life right now. I want to get right with you and I thank you that you give us your perfect peace. In Numbers 6, 24 through 26, it says, the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his shalom, give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, Billy here. I'm the media director here at Poulson Foursquare and I'm glad that you guys could join us this morning. If you guys are looking for more information, you guys can go to PoulsonFoursquare.org. And if you guys enjoyed the sermon, consider subscribing or sharing it with a friend. Thanks for joining us this morning and we hope that you have a blessed week.